Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What is going on, Marlins Nation? Steven Strom here. It's very nice to be back here on the Marlins Radio Network on the podcast side of things. Of course, we led the way with the Marlins rerun, and we're getting you know our hot stove shows in, but it's nice to be back on the podcast side of things. Look, we just wanted to keep you guys informed here. Kyle Seeloff is in Nashville at the winter meetings. We have a couple of sounds that we're going to play here just to get you guys up to date. Everyone's back in the fold. I know it's December, but we're still um, very excited about 2024. The new president of baseball, operations Peter Bendix spoke uh, as well as Skip Schumacher so just wanted to share that with you guys if you're listening to this on Monday night Kyle and I will still have our hot stove show it is on Tuesday which is tomorrow at 5 p.m. on Fox Sports 940 in the iHeartRadio app we'll have Jim Leland on who is just inducted into the Hall of Fame and we have another guest for you as well so without further ado let's hear from the new president of baseball operations Peter Bendix. I would say we asked, you know, Skip, I guess he said it's kind of like the first day everyone's yeah. together. Just what was sort of, did you hope to accomplish? What did you guys, you know, the vibe like just with everyone kind of meeting for the first time? A lot of the, um, a lot of the time at the winter meetings is spent with people. And I look at it as a team bonding event. And that was true in my previous job. And it's even more true now, considering that I haven't spent very much time with these people. And so getting everybody in one place at one time, focused for the purpose of talking about baseball things that's that's a lot of fun so before the baseball things though did you have like an icebreaker or anything like how do you get everyone kind of we've had a few different meetings throughout the day we'll have a more formal meeting after this actually mm-hmm. um and then we're going out to dinner tonight so that's always a good icebreaker uh, it's how different is your focus compared to what you used to do with the race now as a president here with the team going into these meetings? It fundamentally, it's very similar in the sense that we're putting together the best roster that we can. We're looking at this year's club. We're looking into the future at the same time. The difference now is that I don't know the people here as well. I don't know the players here as well. And so just learning as much as I can. Have you been able to catch up with some players uh, during this last couple of weeks? Yeah, um, I've seen some of them in Miami at some of the events the Marlins have put on, um, a couple of different events actually. So got to shake their hand, got to ask them about their families, saw Jake Berger here just now, and it's nice to just actually put the faces to the names. What do you hope to accomplish at this winter meetings? I think you're still, uh, it feels like the market is moving a little more slowly than usual, and so we need to stay prepared for when it starts to speed up. 
And so that's really just getting as much information from other teams, as much information from agents, trying to understand our own players as best that we can and being prepared to move. Do you expect or anticipate being more trade or free agent route as an organization? Both. I think we just have to be prepared. We have to be prepared for whatever opportunities that come and be opportunistic. What's kind of the balance of making the right moves for you and not being too influenced about maybe other teams in the in, in your division making a ton of moves and like kind of waiting for the, the right move for you? You have to be opportunistic, and the more you think about what other teams are going to do, the more you're going to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You have to be looking at what's best for the Marlins organization, short-term and long-term. Other teams are going to do what other teams are going to do. We have no control over that. Mm-hmm. We only control the moves that we make, the process that we have, the discipline that we have. Gabe Kapler was brought in to be another assistant GM. Uh, what was it about him that attracted you guys? He, is, he has a tremendous wealth of experience and knowledge, player, coach, manager, uh, farm director. Very difficult to find all those things in one person, but as I started to get to know Gabe, the person that he is, the ideas that he has, the care that he has for people, and really getting to know people, support people, help them develop, it aligned perfectly with what, what my vision is. Do you still see just four assistant GM? Maybe one of them promoted to the GM spot. I know we keep badgering you with this, but... Getting well ahead of things, I'm still learning. <laughs> right. What about your other hire, Finesh? Uh, Finesh, yes. You guys had a previous history again about mm-hmm. just the idea of bringing him in and what he can provide to the organization. Yeah, Vinesh can do a lot of different things, and the director of baseball operations role means a lot of different things for different teams, but for, for us, he's going to work across a lot of departments. He's going to kind of bring things together be a bit of a project manager, a bit of a jack of all trades, and he, he's a great communicator, he's a great teammate, and he's got a lot of fresh, good ideas. For the players that are currently here, as you get to know the players, obviously you want to get to know them on a human level, but do you find yourself watching Marlins games from last year to get to know players, or how, how does that work for you in this position now? I think you want to get to know them on a human level. You want to understand who they are, who their family is, what makes them tick, Um, And then you want to get to know their ability, right? And so their ability is asking, watching video, asking the coaching staff, asking Skip, asking the AGMs who have been here, everybody who's been here and watched them play, digging into them from a statistical perspective, from a scouting report perspective, and try to understand, all right, what, what are they good at? What do we expect from them next year? What would you consider, I guess, the club's needs? That you would like to accomplish before spring training. You know, sometimes it even goes into spring training. But yeah. To- well, we need another catcher, for sure. Um, I don't think you're allowed to play with just one. Um, <laughs> actually, you're probably allowed to play with just one, but then if something happens, you're not in great shape. Um, so we need another catcher. Um, I'd like to increase the number of options that we have who can play shortstop. I think we have a few people on the roster, off the roster, who are pretty good options, but nobody who is the clear, you know, this is our everyday shortstop. So we'd love to add that. And really just adding value, long-term value to the organization, whether that is players at the major league level with control, whether that is prospects, ideally it's both. It's supplementing the 2024 club, building on what's a competitive team already, but also keeping that eye on the future too. Is there anybody considered untouchable trade-wise like that you guys would send out? I don't like to consider anybody untouchable. There's a couple of young players that are very, very good that are very unlikely to be traded. There's a few extension candidates, I suppose, you could say on the team of Rise, um, Zardo. Is that, is that something that you guys have sort of gone to them about yet? 
I mean, uh, those, those conversations are going to stay internal, mm -hmm. but when you have young players who are really good, those are going to be natural, natural things for us to think about. Do you, without Sandy, there's not like, obviously, former Cy Young guy, but like the ace, do you feel the need to kind of find someone to bridge the gap until he's ready next year? Do you think the existing staff with a lot of high upside is fine as is? You always need more pitching. No matter how much pitching you have, you always need more pitching. At the same time, because of that, everyone else also needs pitching, and therefore the pitchers that you do have are really valuable. Um, and there's a lot of different ways you can take that. Mm -hmm. What about um, one of the names that Skip mentioned was Max Meyer. Obviously, he's coming back. Well, he, Bender, and then even Trevor, who missed so much time mm -hmm. last year, Regis, will they all be ready for spring training? That's my understanding, yeah. Mm -hmm. We haven't got to speak to you since the 40-man roster crunch. Uh, some guys were left unprotected. Yeah. Um, what, was, what went into that decision and leaving guys like Troy and the team off the 40-man? Those were tough, tough calls. Um, and ultimately, the 40-man is finite. You only get 40. And so making sure that you have the, the players on there that you think are the right combination, that you leave room for other possibilities that might happen in the future, and you understand that you know once the player goes on to the roster, it's harder to get him off of the roster. So just because you don't add a player to the 40 is not a vote of no confidence in that player. Uh, there's still a lot of other things that go into it. Someone that holds a 40-man roster spot is Sixo Sanchez, hasn't pitched in almost three years. At what point do you sort of try and maybe move on? I don't know the answer to that yet. What about um, the international side and then also drafting so any progress being made in terms of hiring someone or a timeline for you mean like within the front office yeah yeah I don't want to put a timeline on it uh, but that's been the primary focus since I've taken the job is just understanding the front office understanding what is needed and trying to figure out what we can do this is something that you would like to accomplish pretty soon knowing that we're about a month away from the uh, international signing period uh, in January? I, I will say that uh, in those areas in particular, the group that we have in place is a really robust group that's done some really good work. Um, and so I feel confident that even without additional hires, we're in a good shape there. I'm curious for you, obviously you weren't around last season, but maybe when speaking with free agents, like their you know, free agents and their agents, just the level of interest maybe now that the club, you know, made the postseason, mm -hmm. that, you know, like there's a proven you know, winning there, that that's helped out. You know? Everybody wants to win. And being able to go to a place that has had success and that can expect to have more success is a big selling point. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Peter. Thank All you, right. Peter. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, so that was president of baseball operations for the Miami Marlins, Peter Bendix. Let's now listen to what Skip Schumacher had to say. We haven't heard from him in uh, quite some time. It was the last game of the season against the Phillies, but he spoke at the winter meetings, and let's hear what he had to say. Compared to last year, is there anything different at all in the organization, this way you're approaching this winter meetings, especially having a well, it's new because, um, you know, the new president of baseball operations and, um, you know, him meeting our staff, you know, really for the first time uh, today, uh, which is pretty cool. And having a lunch with Peter and some uh, half of our staff, I guess, were here. Um, but other than that, I think, you know, us knowing the players already is is good. Not a, not a ton of meetings about each guy because we already know who they are. Um, and just trying to figure out how they can get better now is mainly the conversation instead of like trying to figure out who they once were type deal. Um, but I, I, nothing has uh, really changed other than that. How is that dynamic, I guess? Is it a lot of you guys kind of catching Peter up to speed on the organization? 
combining with observations of what he's noticed as an outsider? I think it's a combination. I think Peter is uh, one of the brightest guys around and obviously really uh, really smart. I've, I've already learned a lot from him uh, in the last couple weeks of how he sees things. I think if I gave him my take on everybody, I don't think that's fair because I don't. I want him also to make his own opinions of, um, you know, people in the organization or players or whatever. And then if he, you know, we can bounce ideas off of each other as far as the players and staff and that type of thing. But um, yeah, I think it's a lot of organic conversations. At this time of year, there's a lot of evaluating players and processes. Do you have time to do self-evaluation to look kind of back at the manager you were over this season and look at areas where you think that you could improve? Every day, yeah. I mean, that's that's part of growing, and I think it's. Um, you know, I tell the players every day, like you have a chance to either get better or worse when you enter uh, the clubhouse. It's the same thing for me and our staff. Um, I just don't believe in the saying like you are who you are. I always feel like there's a chance to get better and. I know that I was not perfect <laughs> by any means during the season. So, um, so you reflect every game, um, and then when the season ends. Then, yeah, I mean, I got my wife telling me all kinds of stuff that I need to get better at, right? So uh, there's um, there's always stuff to get better at. But yeah, you reflect, and um, you know, with you know, young guys, pitching moves, um, position changes, all that stuff. You try to figure out, you know, what you could have done better to move the needle even more. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of reflection. What was different about the gig as a guy than maybe we expected? Like when you got the job a year ago, how did you expect it to be? And now that you're sitting here with, you know, having done it for a full 162, what was different about it? Um, I didn't know if I could do it. I think that's the biggest one. Um, until you're a manager, I think there was some nerves and some anxiety to know, like, can I really do this thing? Um, because you, you think there's, you know, if, you, if you, you're the bench coach or the first base coach or whatever it is, you could always go back to your hotel room or your house and say, oh, man, if, if, it was my, if I did it, I may have done it a different way, right? But then when you're actually in this seat, it can speed up and it gets fast and then you have to make the calls and then you have to talk to you guys after the game of, about the bad decisions or good decisions, whatever you made, right? So I think, um, so that was the little bit of anxiety going into this position. Um, and so I think this year is like, okay, I, I feel like um, I have an idea of how to navigate a game. Um, my staff was phenomenal. I was very fortunate to have a staff around me that, that covered all my weaknesses and blind spots. Um, and I really do believe that, like, I thought this, and I just told Kelly that I thought being surrounded by good people was the biggest um, separator and uh, as far as, like, going through 162. Now I'm convinced of it. It's, it's a people business, and when you have 162, you need to be surrounded by people to help you grow and to learn, um, but also have fun to come to the ballpark every single day. And if I don't have big personalities next to me, it's not fun coming to the ballpark. And I had that. So some things I had to like um, make sure it was real. And then some things I had to convince myself, like, am I actually ready for this position? And so I think year two is a little bit different. Did you, did you have a moment during the season where you realized that you could do it? I had a, a couple moments where I thought I couldn't do it, <laughs> for sure. No, um, uh, so yeah, I think... Um, so you, you have to figure out um, how to align yourself with um, front office, analytics, player development, that whole thing, right? 
and to make sure that um, you, just, you just want to get it right. And whether it's sending a guy with infield in or if it's a bunt situation and they don't want you to bunt, whatever it is. And I'm not saying they don't want you to, but conversations. Um, and I think um, in the end, I think it was um, um, probably there was St. Louis when we pitched to Arenado. We can talk about that all the time where he walked us off. Um, there's conversations, uh, you know, not just our analytics, but uh, analytically, like you never want to put a guy on. Um, there's also uh, thoughts where, like, that's Nolan Arenado, right? So, um, so like learning from that situation of like, wow, am I ready to talk about that after the game? Because I don't know which is right. Still, I still don't know, right? I know I don't want Nolan Arenado to beat me. But there's a really hot Contreras behind him, right? Bases loaded. Do I want a wild pitch? So certain situations like that um, where you're trying to figure out, man, am I ready for this or not? And that was like late in the season, right? Um, and there's other uh, times where, yeah, I think I thought I was ready when you're having tough conversations with the guys and then you see them buy in. Um, whether it was, you know, Jazz in the position change or Louie in the position change or um, maybe changing the closing role or that type of thing and having those really tough conversations. And then you see him having success when you do move them. I think you're like, all right, they're buying into our message. Maybe I am right for this. So I think there's different situations. Yeah, so I know I knew Bill in uh, in my Los Angeles days. He was the special assistant, um, salt to the earth, really good guy. Fits our staff really well. Um, has no ego in this thing. You know our staff. We don't have any ego in this thing. We're just trying to get people better and trying to win baseball games. And um, and I think he fits perfectly. They worked well together in St. Louis. Um, that's important to me because those hitting guys work so many hours together in the same office that if there's any sort of disconnect, it doesn't work. And so there needs to be some flow in uh, the same language also that uh, needs to be um, delivered to the player. And it can't be just like a million different ideas and then these guys get lost. Uh, so that was important. Yeah, Brownie changed the whole offensive um, uh, mindset, I think, in our organization. Um, and he left it in a better spot. That's the best thing you can say about a coach when he leaves, right? And I think when you do get guys plucked from your staff, that's a that's a, I hate it for us, <laughs> but it's also a win uh, because that means you had success and guys want to want something from your staff um, because it was successful and and Brownie was successful and I'm happy for him. Do you think it'll stay similar with Lossie even though he's gone? Like with Baker still there, Hart, you know, coming in that you know, that foundation at Brown. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a finished product in, in, by any means, but I think there, the game planning was better. Um, uh, it wasn't just one way to hit a baseball anymore. It was, you know, there's everybody it was it's individualized game plans. Um, Brownie was all in. Uh, he was great for us. Um, all the minor league side uh, bought in on his philosophy as well. So I don't anticipate it being uh, being too different. With the addition of Miller, would you say the coaching staff is pretty much set for 2024? Uh, close. Close. I think that's what it means. There's not openings, but you can always add, right? Yeah, yeah. In different spots, <laughs> categories. <laughs>
Uh, I thought what we were really good at is we could pitch. Um, and so to have, we have young pitching still that's coming through. Um, looking forward to see what Max Meyer brings in uh, uh, 2024 because he was a stud out of college. He was hurt um, to see what he, that looks like, whether it's a, I know he's building up as a starter right now, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing him a full year of Yuri in the big leagues. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, so I think, you know, we need to develop, continue to develop high quality starters. Um, and I've heard it a million times. I just said in the interview, you're only as good as your bullpen. A manager is only as good as his bullpen. It really is. Um, and so we had some firepower, some swing and miss in the bullpen with Tanner Scott, acquired Matt Moore, um, and obviously, you know, Puck and Brazabon and Nardi were, were, you know, a lot of swing and miss. Um, to be sustainable, um, we got we got to develop hitters. It's just what it is. We got to develop hitters. Um, and uh, you know, we got some young guys that are going to be there for a while, and Berger and Arias and Jazz and, and Dela. We got some good hitters, um, but to continue to you know fight against uh, you know some some really big teams in our division, um, I think developing some hitters that you know we can control and can help us you know up and down um, the system. I think that's probably the next step. Yeah, I think drafting and developing um, is is the biggest component to that, right? Like, um, and I think that's uh, you know, Peter's working. You know, Peter has done a really good job in Tampa um, of, you know, of acquiring those those type of hitters, um, and you see that roster is has a lot of uh, Tampa guys on it, right? That they developed. Um, we don't have that. We don't have a lot of guys that were developed in our system. It's just the reality. Um, so getting to that point um, is going to be huge for us and uh, to make this thing sustainable for a long time. Yeah, so I tell all of our players or our staff to check in after Thanksgiving, give these guys a break. Um, Pipe is the um, general manager in the DR, so he is checking in with a lot of those guys that are already there or are on their roster already. Um, so I, you know, I give them quite a, a break um, from me and from our staff. They don't want to hear me right now, anyways. Um, as much as I love them, uh, they don't want to hear from me right now. So I give them a break after Thanksgiving, um, and then I'll start talking to them after the winter meetings. Yeah, I mean, they're in first place, so they're obviously doing something right. I mean, they're probably taking my spot here pretty soon uh, if I'm not careful. Um, yeah, Beef is awesome. We're fortunate to have him his first year managing down there, which is pretty special. And um, uh, to me, Pipe, I'm not sure how he's not a manager already, so I'm very lucky that he's next to me during the games. Um, but yeah, it's it's nice to have somebody down there watching players uh, internationally every single day during winter ball. Two guys uh, that are on my staff, so um, you know not only some of our players that are in uh, are on that team, 
but um, having conversations with you know our front office about guys that they like or they see that you know maybe we could potentially acquire is always nice to have. I don't see that happening yet. Um, uh, Jazz uh, really took off kind of the second part of the season in the outfield um, as our center fielder. Um, so I don't anticipate that happening uh, just yet. You mentioned obviously developing those homegrown hitters until you know, that takes time. How, you know, in the short term, I guess, how do you guys build up that offense and train free and see how, do you, how many bats do you think you guys need maybe in order to be able to continue competing in the division? I think that's a Peter question. <laughs> um, no, I. I uh, I really like our club. Obviously, we lost Solaire. That's a big bat. Um, that is a free agent. I guess we didn't lose him, but he's a free agent. Um, and yeah, I think the we have, I guess, one catcher on our roster right now. Um, so I think that's probably you know a couple bats uh, on the radar of, of Peter and Birdie played a really good um, shortstop when he was there. Um, so you know, I'm sure we're looking for you know maybe some depth at that position. Um, but I, um, right now, you know, Birdie would, um, you know, probably get the bulk if it started today, obviously, uh, jazz, with Jazz and Center to ask, you know, answer your previous question. But um, as far as players are concerned, you know, we're talking through that right now. That's kind of why we're here. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm anticipating we're going to sign a couple guys. But, um, you know, until that happens, I can't really say any names. I think Miami's been a destination spot just because it's in Miami. I think a lot of guys want to play there. Um, a lot of families and a lot of players live in, in South Florida, so, or in Florida in general, I should say. Um, I think now that, um, you know, I, that we're relevant, that, you know, people would want to come. Um, yeah, and you, yeah, you hear, you know, players that want to come, um, but, at, you know, in the end, they're free agents and they can go wherever they want to go. And most, probably go where the money goes <laughs> so that's just what free agent is um, but if you can get, convince some players that um, you know that you know we can maybe you know help them take them to the next step or um, you know they can live you know at home type thing I think that's always um, a, a good thing for for their families or whatever it is so uh, but I, to answer your question I haven't reached out to all these free agents to see if they just want to come over here now you mentioned catching you want a catcher that um, is a leader that uh, pitchers love throwing to um, that can uh, figure out how guys like um, Cabrera can throw more strikes or that um, Lazardo can now be a Cy Young or whatever it is, right? And um, that can uh, hold guys accountable. Um, so that's a big position. It's not just strictly an offensive position to me um, because we 
are so pitching heavy um, that you need to be able to throw to a guy that you love throwing to. Um, the offensive part, obviously, we would love to have, um, but I think um, having a leader back there that um, uh, is really, really important that's done it before. Your first time at the winter meetings as a manager, any difference from come here in the past if you have been here in the past? Uh, last year was my first, but I haven't been to the winter meetings before that. Because um, I, I honestly, I didn't really want to go. <laughs> so, uh, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but, uh, but it's, um, but I do, I will say that um, it's, it's been this year and last year is again building relationships uh, over again, right? Last year was like building all these relationships with the front office. And I'm, you know, kind of doing it again. Going off of that, I guess it's not only just the first time everyone's together, but you probably during the season don't have the whole brain trust, I guess, around each other that much, you know, during the season. The, like whether it's you and then the front office people, because everyone kind of goes their separate ways. During the off season, you're saying? During then the season, like you're probably not all in the same room. Like yeah, during the, during the season, I have, you know, we have meetings quite often. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say like, you know, the minor leagues and you know, all those guys being the affiliates being here, it's good to catch up. Um, but I also, you know, we're, we're constantly talking to coaches up and down the organization and front office. So um, it's good to see them. Haven't seen them in a couple months, but um, those conversations are happen all the time. Team's not a finished product, obviously, yet, but just... Are you already thinking of like, oh, this is where like X could be playing, or this is where you know Vidal we just acquired, this could be where he slots in? Have you already given consideration? You think about that uh, when you you have your roster um, right before spring training um, because you just don't know what pieces are going to come or um, potential trades or what, however that, that that works. I think acquiring um, a bunch of really good athletes um, and really good big leaguers and then figuring it out after is always a, a plus. But there's not. Um, I know. I mean, Bruhan's playing down the DR. I talk to Pipe about him all the time. Um, I talked to, um, um, I know X, I have an idea of uh, where he can play and where he, um, I think, you know, outfield is probably going to be part of the equation as well this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, you think about your roster, but until like you get that set roster before spring training a week or two before, that's when you kind of navigate and, and see unless there's like a complete position change like we did with Jazz. Um, I mean, Tanner's going to pitch in the highest leverage situations we have. So um, whether that's, you know, I, you know, if you want to say closer, then that's fine. But, um, you know, we pitched him in the eighth inning and ninth inning last year. Um, and so you lose games in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning. It's not just the ninth. So if the meat of the order is in the eighth inning and I need Tanner there, there's a good chance he's going to pitch it. Because uh, I, if I don't use him in the ninth because we just lost in the eighth, then I'll, I'll be kicking myself. So um, I think he's our best pitcher in the bullpen, if that's what you're asking. Um, and he'll probably get the bulk there, but I will use him in spots to get out of big jams or to use the in the meat of the order in the eighth inning.
I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I think it's tough not to see, uh, you know, some of the highlights that are going on uh, in Japan or that went on in Japan. And um, yeah, I'm very aware of the talent that's out there and uh, a very special pitcher um, who has swing and miss that you just cannot find. Um, it's tough to find, I should say, um, that has some outlier pitches that are tough to hit. And uh, when you miss bats, um, uh, there, it's usually translates here as well, and uh, so yeah, he's he's going to be very good for a long time. Skip Nashville has been brought up as a potential landing spot for an expansion franchise if the league were ever to do that. You haven't spent a ton of time here, but you've played some minor league ball around the state of Tennessee. In your experience, what would make this such a good spot to get a team? Yeah, I love Nashville. Uh, we've been at CMAs. Uh, my wife is a huge country fan. So, uh, yeah, I went to CMAs last year. Um, there's stuff to do, obviously, all around Nashville. Uh, we loved coming here. I played for the Memphis Redbirds for a number of years, and we came here all the time. And this was a place that you kind of circled on your calendar of, like, we can't wait to go to Nashville. Um, I, I think, the first of all, the people here are incredible. The fan base, sports fan base here um, is in Tennessee is, uh, you know, really, really good um, college and professional. Um, so I think it'd be a, a destination place um, that a lot of people would want to come and see a professional play, uh, team play. Skip, were you surprised at all with just the D-backs and the Rangers and how the whole playoffs unfolded? And does it give you hope as well that, you know, the D-backs, you, you could be there too, possibly? Um, I thought it was great for the game. Um, I'm not surprised because it's humans playing humans, and you just never know. Once you get into the playoffs, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, when you play uh, the Diamondbacks, you know how hard they are uh, to play against and to game plan against because of the platoon situations that they have. They can beat you with speed. They have two aces on the mound with, with Kelly and, and uh, Zach. So it wasn't surprising because of how well they were coached. Um, the firepower that the Texas Rangers had, it wasn't surprising. They kicked our butt in Arlington uh, this year. So that was not surprising at all to see them. But um, it's the hottest teams usually in, in October. And also not surprised because Arizona was a good team. So I don't want people to think that like, oh man, I can't believe Arizona got, th they were a good team. Um, and really, again, really well coached. So um, it wasn't surprise, uh, su surprising at all, other than like, I thought Philly was just so good. Um, but, uh, but you know, either one of those teams making it was uh, really good for baseball and, um, and happy for them. Good, all right. Thanks. You got it. <laughs> all right, thanks everyone for listening. If you're listening to this on Monday night, we are back tomorrow night at 5 p.m., a live Marlins Hot Stove Show. Kyle's in Nashville, Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. So we have you covered there. If you're listening to this Tuesday morning, this morning, whatever you want to call it, we are going to be on the air in a couple hours, okay? So make sure to tune in. We'll keep you updated. Of course, we got your back from the winter meetings to the offseason. Marlins Radio has you covered. So we can't wait to uh, have you join us later on the Marlins Hot Stove Show. But for Kyle Seeloff, I'm Steven Strom. We'll talk to you later.